Like I talked about in 2018, the Guardian, the National Guardian, declared Jamaica the no longer the most homophobic place on earth. As a matter of fact, one of the things that they highlight was the fact that Jamaica in 2016 had its first gay pride. Um, and what that looks like was that there were about 15 people gathered um, to celebrate gathered in Emancipation Park, which is a national mo monumental area in Jamaica, in the New Kingston area of Jamaica, that saw people dressed in the rainbow colors and stood up to the resistance. And that single-handedly changed the conversations for what queer visibility and being Jamaican meant. JFLAG, for those of you who don't know, Jamaica Forum for Lesbian, All Sexuals, and Gay, JFLAG, the country's largest LGBT rights organization, was founded in December of 1998. So it's a couple decades, it's a decade and so um, long, and it has been making its progress behind the scenes. Um, I knew of JFLAG when I went to the University of West Indies, when like I said, back in 2006 was when I felt my most threatened. I felt like myself was threatened and I, I felt the most tension as it relates to homosexuals and I felt fearful. And that's when I met um, the president, the then president, who was also studying at the time at the University of West Indies and we happened to have some first, some, they call it mandatory courses that we had to do together. And so we crossed paths. And being a feminine, so to speak, recognizable gay, one of the gays that can't be hidden, um, I can't present as normal. I am not masculine presenting. I'm feminine. My mannerism is femi feminine. I walk feminine. Um, I was easy, easily recognizable. And that's how we met and we spoke about, like, you know what this meant how the tension on the campus was feeling and what was my plan afterwards. And I didn't have much planned. I, I, I knew I wasn't going to stay in Jamaica, believe it or not, you know, because I, I knew there was no way I could be my full authentic self working and not being protected because all my life I was protected by the armor of school and a school uniform and out on the UE campus I was it's a whole different world so I was protected like that again and so for a minute it seemed like it was a dim possibility that I possibly was going to be working in Jamaica and I that there's no way that could be possible but less than two decades later uh, the LGBT J flag organization held its first gay parade. And since then, the parade grew to attract like 1,200 people. Pride celebrations have brought unprecedented visibility to the community. So for also social media has allowed organization and other groups campaigning for LGBT rights to humanize gay people. Because before, I think, the wider common man knowledge of gay was like bestiality. I think 
that was a misconception about being gay and that like your own child could be or your neighbor's child could be or your neighbor could be. It's just like I feel like people in Jamaica, the common man felt like it was so out of touch with what reality was that he didn't realize that, you know, regular everyday people were. It wasn't only something highlighted for rich people. It wasn't only something for white people or foreigners. It was right here, down right and out in our communities, in our backyards, so to speak. And gay was irrespective of class, of gender, of religion. Gay happened to be in every single facet of the society. As a result of the gay prides that were held, the former minister then of justice and the mayor of Kingston both spoke out publicly to support gay prides group under a country's colonial era of the Boogery Law. And for those of you who don't know, the Boogery Law in Jamaica is, it criminalized same-sex, anal sex rather, um, between an acts of intimacy between men. So that's the law that it's geared, it's based on, like homophobia is based on. And both attitudes, they do believe, people in Jamaica believe, are changing. The first time um, Jay Flagg was able to address Parliament was in 2017. 2001, but in 2017, let me gather my thoughts, 2001 they addressed Parliament to talk about the dehumanizing conditions that gay people were living in and how gay people were being rejected. And in 2017, they, politicians actually listened. So, you know, JFLAG is working and was working behind the scene tirelessly to fight the cause um, as it relates for our LGBT queer brothers and sisters. At the time, in 2013, it was the then attack of Dwayne Johnson. I think it was the cross, the trans or cross dress. Um, he was killed wearing women's clothing. He was, I feel he was transgender and he wanted to go to a Jamaican party, a dance party, um, dressed as a woman, because that's what he felt like. Allegedly, I, I don't know how true it was, um, but at the time, he wanted to go and he apparently allegedly was dancing with a guy and they found out and the rest of his history he was killed but what plagued that story was the violent and almost detachment Jamaicans the people who mobbed and killed this child 16 year old child like they were very detached and the same Jamaicans that are warm and friendly and loving turned against this person because they were clouded with the fact that this person was gay and was for some reason an abomination that needed to be like trampled out. And we saw this often. We saw this often where there is like almost this like rhetoric like that there's a manifesto or an a gay agenda and that's sometimes the Christian pastors would preach on this and and we'll talk about 
how, you know, whether a government or organizations who was, was for human rights was trying to spread this gay agenda. And we saw this, be, we saw this um, influence in the spread of HIV. We saw this influence in campaign and health. And we also saw this showing up in like education reform and structural reform and even sustainable development. And so as a, as a common person, like trying to interpret how your voice is silenced in, in, in this country, like you knew your place, you knew your place, you knew that even if you tried to stay in a country, and that's one of the reasons why I moved away, was I knew it was helpless. I felt helpless. I felt like even if I did, I knew my education would afford me the wealth and, you know, the social climbing, um that I, because I did what I was supposed to do, you know, growing up in Jamaica. I did it. I had the degree. I graduated from the prominent university. I rubbed shoulders with the who's the who-who's and the futures of Jamaica. So I knew I was, my place would have been solid if I had stayed. But it never could guarantee safety for me. And I think that paramount was one of the reasons why I moved away. And so I was almost overcome with, like, happiness when I went back and saw that, you know, things were different. Or at least things were moving in a different um, direction. And I was glad to see that. This means that prioritizing changes to anti-discrimination laws, which don't protect Jamaicans on the basis of sexual or gender identity over the large symbolic repeal of the borough law, it means promoting LGBT messages while presenting the community as part of a wider Jamaican society is also a reality. And I think that's one of the major reasons why J-Flag and Jamaica, Jamaica, Jamaica Aid Society is very important because they do shed light on some of the invisibility that oftentimes plague like subsection of society and especially people who belong to a different disenfranchised group like gay people. And I think it is about placing queerness in Jamaicanness. And that for me, that was like very important. Like I'm Jamaican too. I was born here, I was raised here, but I'm queer. And queer visibility has always been in our society. It's just that if somebody identified as more feminine and was seen not to be in a position of privilege, it was easy to access that person. And so therefore that person was an easy target. And I found that to be where some of the misconception would lie. Like, like especially in the lower socioeconomic class, society, it was almost like, oh, it's not supposed to be in this society. Like, it's not supposed to be in this area. Like, we're going to weed out the Batiman. We're going to fish, whatever. And and I saw that. Um, but this is no small favor to ask. Which even Jamaican change in a different direction, it's no small favor to ask that the mindset of our people 
change as we as we prepare for what promises to be a piv- a pivotal role based on our relationship with America or pressures from England due to the Queen still being the head of state and of course the Governor General who's a representative of the Queen. Um, so I was definitely struck by the strong voice that the Guardian had and the strong turning point that Jamaica was also on and as it relates to um, gay visibility and Jamaican-ness and, and how is it that those two identities exist or coexist in an actual space. And it goes like this. Being gay and being Jamaican is normal. And nothing can be said otherwise. There's no abnormality to it. There's no bestiality. What two consenting adults do in the privacy of their own home is theirs. And that's one of the conversations I want to have. Just how the church and Christianity like went into the privacy of people's lives that dictated even sometimes what love looks like between a mother or a father and their child. And was that okay? Was the love or the belief in the superior being who, I probably get a lot of backlash for this, who you can't see and touch, but you have faith, which is believing in the unknown, that your love for this thing, whatever this thing is, is so overwhelming that you will put your child out because your child is telling you that they have these feelings. Sometimes they don't even know what these feelings are. And so that, that, that notion of it always brought me to almost reverence to a place of like stillness where I had to reflect on like what that meant like you know what is this like how is this how do I therefore identify with being a culture that I'm so proud of I'm proud of my Jamaican-ness I'm proud of being Jamaican I'm proud of our culture I'm proud of our language I'm proud of our food I'm proud of our people I'm equally proud of Usain Bold I'm equally proud um, of Spice, I'm equally proud of Bob Marley, but and I'm equally proud of our black, yellow, and green, but how can I therefore not have some reservation about my identity if my sexual orientation has always been magnified? And that was just a, a small portion of who I was. No matter, irrespective of how smart you were, like your reputation could be challenged and that was a part of queer visibility that was very uncomfortable for me and in that uncomfortability for me preserving self like self-preservation I literally made the decision that I 
I was going to move away. I was going to take all the education that I had and I was going to move away for safety because I knew no matter how much I had grown or risen in an organization or in society, a common man could see me and magnify my mannerisms and that would be the death of me. And I fear that back then but going back in 2019 I had the most wonderful experience from the airport and the immigration officers to the customs officers to the customer service representative at the hotel that I stayed and just a general general interaction Um, but I also knew I was coming back as somebody who was living in the diaspora, coming back to Jamaica, where it was home, but it was a distant home. And that experience was also new. 